You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. Welcome back to the Massive Report Podcast. We are here at Saucy Brewworks at Third and Michigan. Uh, we allowed to say that? I just want to say he said Michigan, not TTUN. I mean, yeah. we're this close to the I game. How I dare you? Michigan May? Also, you're the one who covers Ohio State yep, here. That's why yeah. I'm okay saying it. Yeah. Uh, I write it's it a, a lot this week. Impartial third party. Yeah, exactly. Just real quick, before we get any further, did anybody see the post by the crew that they crossed out all the M's on the .com, on lower.com? Yes. Uh, on the stadium? No. Yeah, they crossed out all the M's, including no. the ones on the roof. Well, good for them for getting in the Columbus spirit. Um... I'm Patrick Murphy. No Brian tonight again. Murphy. Oh, yes, Patrick Murphy. Um, <laughs> we're here with Barton Jero Logan. Jero, yeah. Jero. Brett, I don't know your middle name, but uh, no, you, no, have, no. you have no recovered from your illness to make it here. And Sam uh, is here. So uh, we have a game to preview playoff game it feels like a while since we last saw the crew play they will play in orlando on saturday because nothing else is going on on saturday uh in the eastern conference semifinal, right semifinal. yeah and uh then we're also going to take we asked people for questions this week we have quite a few questions i don't know if we'll get through all of them uh they are varying levels of seriousness which i like i think there are some rather clever humorous ones and also some good questions about uh, this team that, that were pretty serious. So, um, Brett, you started last week to kind of dive into Orlando. Yeah. What is your, when, when final kick or final whistle, game was over against Atlanta, your kind of first thoughts about the crew and how they match up with Orlando in Orlando? I think it's, I think they, they probably match up better, matched up better in terms of you know, kind of having a a, a real obvious advantage against Atlanta than they do at Atla- yeah. than Orlando. I think Orlando is a, m- a much more complete team. They what they lack if it, what they lack maybe an attacking prowess they make up for with with you know really a really really competent midfield and they're certainly I think uh, a little bit more organized defensively than than Atlanta really ever was. Um, and I, so I think it's a it's uh, a complete team. I think it's maybe Oscar Perea's best team he's ever had. Um, certainly at Orlando during his Orlando tenure. Um, obviously, that Open Cup winning team from was that last year uh, was yeah. was a pretty solid team, yep. um, and and had some weapons. Um, but I think they. This is maybe the the next iteration of that group in terms of what uh, kind of consistent winning does to raising kind of expectations and, and kind of a, uh, accentuating and, and enhancing an already uh, established and positive kind of locker room culture that Perea has done. Um, and and they're, they're really, really good. They, uh, you know, they have... Um, some attacking options that are really dangerous and they they in my mind kind of play in in kind of those like transition moments that um and they've been really successful in them uh in those moments that the crew have shown to really struggle with defensively over the course of this season so they're definitely going to look to to kind of turn the crew over come out the other side um 
and, and really try to hurt the crew when, they, when maybe they're a, a, a smidge high or maybe even a little bit overextended. Um, I don't think they're going to have the ball as much uh, as Orlando uh, or want the ball as much as uh, Atlanta did, but this is a really solid... Uh, it's a really solid Orlando team that did a good job of beating up on the teams they were meant they, they, they should beat up on, but also going at Cincinnati, going at Columbus, uh, you know, earlier this year, so, you know, the, the top couple teams in the league, they also played relatively well against them. So it's a, it's a really, really great, solid, I would say even go so far as to say it like, this is like a, this is a built, Built for the MLS playoffs type team, and so, in more of a traditional sense, and so I think it's it's a going to present the the crew with some serious challenges. Pereja, I've always thought since he's gotten into managing, is similar to how he was as a player, and his oh, teams yeah. usually reflect that. And uh, I don't know how many of our listeners remember him with Dallas, and uh, but he was a he was a feisty one. Yeah, um, and I think that you know. Everywhere he's been has kind of, you know, embodied that that version of, of the play. I think Orlando will too, which the crew is going to have to be ready for. Um, remember, this is a team the crew is up 3-1 against in Orlando. And, you know, say what you want about how it happened. They battled back and, and Orlando ultimately wins that game. Bart, how much does that stick in your mind for this game? Or, or are you not as concerned about that? Um, you know, was that... A little fluky, do you think? I, I, I've been thinking about that, and I think I think it is harder to score three goals on the road than it is to surrender um, four goals, and, yeah, and certainly in as many um, in as short a span as they did, or three goals, I guess, in the really short span there yeah. um, against Orlando. Um, and I, I, I say that in that I think the, the things that, you know, there are decisions you can make as a team in the mentality and the way you approach it, um, and and especially in the way Wilfried Nancy manages that game. Um, I, you know, I think we talked about it ad nauseum. Um, the uh, kind of just foolish um, uh, substitutions, not not even taking away the, the choice of personnel, just the decisions to make them as you know ostensibly a time wasting gesture that is not going to waste any time. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 I, I, but I think I think this team should be able to learn from that. I think the way that they approach a road game in Orlando um, is different than the way you in, in, in a one-off elimination game is different yeah. than the way you approach that a game two in a best of three series um, uh, in Atlanta. Uh, so I, I feel much better about what this team, I think, again, the things that, you know, they can and should be able to learn from that um, uh, are things you should be able to apply. And, and the skill, you can't teach the skill that you need to be able to create the chances that they did and score the way that they were able to cut a very solid defensively team apart. Um, and so... I feel a, a lot more confident, um, you know, maybe than we should from past history in Orlando. Um, the other thing is they have not been Orlando. They've basically been the same team on the road and home this season. Yeah. And I think that's a credit to them, but it also means it's not like their crew playing at, you know, lower.com field. Um, teams have beat them there. 
Uh, and and I think, you know, you're a crew team that you know how to score goals. I don't think they're going to go down there and get a clean sheet. But I don't think they're going to su- surrender four goals, three goals again. Yeah, I think I'd, Real I'd quick, I love when we're here at Saucy and songs that are used as crew chants come on. Yeah, Kamara like Chameleon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. It just I was going to say that. You know, this is a team that that beat Atlanta or, or that beat Cincinnati 1-0, and then had them really early on in the year, and I think played to his, a pretty competitive 0-0 draw. Um, but if this turns out into kind of a track meet, which I think it definitely could, I would say that actually suits the crew mm-hmm. in, in in the long run. I think they're going to really try to shoot for like. Uh, you know, one zero, yep. two one kind of situation. Game that first goal is going to be really yeah. important. Yeah. So, I think the this is a game where uh, I, I think you're going to have to manage the the energy and kind of the, the the run through the brick wall kind of you know feeling that Orlando is going to have in those first 15 minutes. And if you kind of if the crew are able to kind of get on the ball a little bit. Not necessarily slow it down, but dictate the tempo, if, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I think, and get Orlando running a little bit, you're going to see, I think, uh, the crew really grow into the game. Um, but it's all, it's all about ma- managing those, you know, first 15, 20 minutes. If you get the first goal, like, I think that's... If the crew get the first goal, I like their chances in and closing it out. Um, and, like, I, the other thing, too, that I think is... Um, you know, really interesting part that you brought up is the the idea of what's more impressive. You know, giving up mm-hmm. four goals or scoring three on the road, and the there's just something about. I know the way that game ended was like horrifying and mm-hmm. and 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 gut gut wrenching, but their response to it I thought was really fascinating. In that they right away turn around and just shoe fly don't bother yeah, me bottom. beat chicago mm-hmm. like it was like it was nothing that didn't have to get out of second gear to do it and i thought it, to me that kind of signaled two things one that they didn't let they obviously didn't let that you know kind of crushing mm-hmm. end affect them in any way but it also didn't necessarily dampen their confidence in an attacking sense either and and, and the way that they were able to kind of go at chicago in a very kind of professional way, I thought was pretty impressive. So I actually think they're, they know that they can score goals against this team. They, they feel, uh, I think, pretty confident in their ability to dictate how the game is going to be played. And, and I think that lends itself to doing what you have to do on the road against an emotional team, which is uh, if you're able to have the ball, manage all, all of that early on, you're probably going to be pretty successful. Well, and I think... You know, if you really go back and look at that game, we touched on this a little bit last week. Like, they were in pretty good control, the crew, that yeah. is, in, in that game in Orlando. Um, you know, to get up the 3-1 lead and, uh, you know, I think it's a learning moment for Wilfred Nancy and his team that, look, you can't, and especially in a playoff game where, you know, if you do get up a couple goals, Orlando's not just going to give up and concede that their season's over, right? So, like... You've got to yeah. keep keep your not necessarily your foot on the gas. I don't think you need to score six, but you know the way that they have shown outside of that game, the like growth in terms of managing games when they yeah. have a lead, I think has been been impressive. Um, I do agree with both of you. You mentioned that first goal, like it's 
going to be huge. Yeah. You, you know, you let the crowd get into it there. Um, you know, what do you think about, like, the longer it goes scoreless? Does that benefit the home team or the away team? I think that's a, I think that's a benefit to the crew because I think they, in my mind, it's, if, if, if essentially mm-hmm. you were talking about which team is going to generate the best opportunity of the game, I think if you're, you'd be smoking crack to, to not put your money on the crew in yeah. that regard. I also think it, it's, there's something about the, the way that Wilfred Nancy has kind of managed this team from an emotional standpoint that I think has been really brilliant. And I, and, and, and I think it speaks to the, the confidence that he has in, in the group and, and their ability to kind of not let confidence dip or waver in any way in spite of some challenging results. And so one of the things that they did, and I don't know, I didn't really report this at the time, but I thought it was fascinating um, that, and I think it's, I'll kind of circle the square here a little bit. It's a roundabout way of making my point. But when, after the, the crew went to Atlanta and, and lost 4-2, it's fascinating to see what they were going to do um, right when they got back to town. If they're going to give them a day off or, or uh, were they going to come back in? And, and the, the team had kind of planned, and I should say the club had kind of planned for the, for the guys to have the day off. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was like, nope, everyone's coming in. Change your plans. So people who thought maybe they had the day off, you know, obviously weren't. Uh, and so then every, everyone gets in. That, that following day, ready to kind of get back to the grind, you know, get out on the training field. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the whole team gets on a bus and they go to Top Golf and they have this like team building kind of thing. And I just thought that was like, what a brilliant way to show that you believe mm-hmm. in the guys and their ability yeah. to police their own emotions in response. Then <laughs> the day after you lose a game that you feel like, you know, that, 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 that feels pretty monumental. Yeah. You take the day off and, and go hit, you know, golf balls at top, top golf and you just have a good time and you, you enjoy yourselves. And so I think that's, that's a, that kind of mindset I think is very similar in terms of, or, or preparing for that and, and, and then having the mindset, um, having the right mindset to go into a game like this is, it, it, all of these kind of examples speak to th- this like really high baseline expectation and confidence that the group mm-hmm. has. And so at, w- whatever the adversity might be, be it, you know, going down early or, or the, you know, creating a ton of chances, having the ball for an extended period of time, but the game's still zero zero. I don't expect their confidence to dip because yeah. every step along the way in the face of adversity, in the face of, you know, poor results, they've bounced back in a way that didn't feel like desperate. It felt mm-hmm. very professional and it felt very like kind of, um, almost expected in a lot of ways. And, 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 and that's, do in large part and maybe in, in all in, in every way to what Wilfred Nancy and that coaching staff what they've done to manage kind of the emotional uh, kind of you know heartbeat of this team throughout the entire season they've absolutely hit every they've hit every note uh, and and so I think if the game does even kind of have some issues you're going to see the crew still maintain that high level just because that, that that's what they've essentially built them to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. Even you know, though the the numbers bear out of, about the same when it comes to you know points dropped 
in late games as uh, we saw last year under Caleb Porter. Just the vibe is so much different with this team that you don't get that feeling that, oh, man, if they don't get that goal, some this, you know, Orlando, whomever it is, is just going to come in and steal it, you know, smash and grab at the end. Um, The way that this team and and the the way that this team plays and scores and creates chances, you just you feel like the goal is inevitable. Um, from the crew's standpoint, uh, I mean, it's just uh, this is not a team that was shut out often this season. Uh, uh, and, and the only times they were were, you know, you look at kind of fluky games or one-off games, you know, game in Houston, 100 right. degrees on a Tuesday yeah. night. Um, that, uh, that was their uh, the middle third of the road trip. nine yeah. days or something. Uh, uh, yeah. that, that, uh, they just, that's not what happens with this team. So I, I feel pretty good about crew, you know, in no matter what, no, no matter the scenario, being in this game, and if they're in this game, if they're in within one goal, within two goals, they've got the skill and talent to be able to put those balls in the net, and they've got they've got you know personnel that have learned that you know have made it, uh, uh, you know a guy like Darlington Nagby, who and and. and and uh, jo- or, uh, Josh Morris, uh, Aiden yeah. Morris, uh, uh, getting guy. to the questions uh, uh, <laughs> uh, early, but Aiden Morris, who you know played deep in the playoffs, Aiden Morris, who's you know played in an MLS Cup and at Arlington Nagby with probably more uh, MLS playoff experience himself than the entire Orlando roster. Um, uh, I think that's you know those are that's some wealth that you can rely on, um, as well as a Wilfried Nancy who's. You know, doesn't have a, a great deal of playoff experience, but has had some success before. And I think he does a really good job of learning from his failures, learning those lessons, and then applying them. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he gets beat multiple times through the, the same mistake. I agree. Is there an X Factor player? And, like, I don't know if I feel like that question is better for other sports maybe than it is for soccer. Uh, but, like, a guy who you could see stepping up in a big moment that maybe you don't immediately point to as like, like Cucho is obvious. Like if Cucho has a really good game, the crew probably win, right? But like, is there another guy that that pops into your mind? Well, if I'm continuing the bit, which has been 95%, 90% me serious and 10% bit, and that might be a generous percentage <laughs> breakdown, but uh, I still maintain that Kevin Molino is going to have a uh, a really big impact, uh, positive, Wait till we get into <laughs> really positive impact uh, of the team in the postseason. But uh, joking aside, uh, I think that yeah, X, X factor is more of like a like you know college hoops kind of thing. Yeah. Like who's the random who's like who's who's, guy the, guy, hot from who's the third guy who's going to go out and give you you know sixteen when right. you didn't expect it kind of thing. But the uh, um, I do think there's, if anything, the best example of maybe an X factor that we didn't necessarily see coming, perhaps, was the fact that Julian Gressel gets mm-hmm. sat and 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 Mo Farsi comes in and has maybe his best game we've seen in an, in in a first team uniform. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to to see Mo right back in there, um, and and so. I think I think it's actually a great thing on a number of levels that there's a question mark in terms of who Orlando has to prepare for with the crew down that right side. Do you have to 
Do you have to mind your P's and Q's for all the technical ability that Julian Gressel offers, or do you have to have someone back there who can run their freaking face off? <coughs> Excuse me, if Mo Farsi gets the start. So, uh, um, you know, I think Mo is is one of those guys that, um, you know, if we if he is on the field and we see him starting. Um, that would have been, I think, if you'd have told me that a month ago, I'd have been like, maybe a like an eyebrow raise yeah. in, a, in a maybe a smidge of apprehension. Um, now it's like, oh well, I know we we know that the dude really stepped up and delivered in a massive way in the third game uh, against Atlanta uh, and showcased that he's you know a huge asset. We're reestablishing that he's a massive mm-hmm. asset, um, and then. On the other one, I would say is, you know, do do which Matan do you get? Yeah. Do you get game two Matan in Atlanta, <laughs> struggling with the turf, Turnovers, turnover machine, yeah. problem? Uh, probably should have been taken off the field twenty minutes before he was. Or do you get you know God tier Matan that we saw in the third game, flying around at everyone, you know. 5-5 five, five going on 6-5, right? Like, looking looking like an absolute world beater, um, like young DP type player. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I've been so impressed with his... The, the inconsistency is certainly a thing, but, it, you know, that's what happens when you're a young player. It's totally expected. Um, but the, I've just been so impressed with his ceiling is, is kind of seeing what the ceiling is. Um, I've also I also think he's raised his floor in terms of the potential, and that was not something I, I would have maybe expected, um, you know, kind of coming into this year. And so that's been really impressive, and I have a lot of respect um, for for what he's been able to kind of show. So it's I, I get I think I think if you you have to account, you <clears throat> defenses can only account for two people, whether you like it or not. That the, there's only one there's only like traditionally fundamentally there's only one real way that you can account for two people there's no way in soccer you can really account for three and so if you get a little bit extra from Matan and you get a little bit extra from Rossi and then all of a sudden Darlington Nagby starts scoring goals from Mm -hmm. outside the 18 like there's nothing you can do there's nothing opponents can really do so it's it's that extra 10 percent which is a Caleb Porter quote uh it's that extra 10 percent from from some guys that I think pushes teams over the edge. He was never really able to get it. Wilford Nancy's ma- been able to get it from like. Why'd Vibre- you point at me when you said? I'm, 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 it's more <laughs> yeah. of a more of a gesticulation. Uh, Wilford's been able to, and it, and, ha- and it's because you know he's pushed all the right buttons, right? That he's been able to get that from basically everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so I I don't. There's no reason to expect anything other than you know what we've already seen in terms of guys being able to go out and kind of showcase that. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, know if it's fair to say like Diego Rossi is an X factor, but this is a guy who's, you know, I think he's played really well. He obviously, you know, has the goal and assist in that that last game in Atlanta, but this is also a guy who, you know, was uh, uh, in his previous stint in MLS was a guy up there for the Golden Boot scoring 15, 16 goals a year he's obviously not been here the whole time he's getting adjusted but if he's gets to the point where he is comfortable enough that the goals start coming and that and and i think that may be that sign you know suddenly 
you've got multiple guys. You've got two guys that can put two, three balls in the net any given day game yeah. at the same time. And that's something yeah. that, that most teams um, don't have and, and very few teams can defend uh, against. The other X factor I'd point to um, is Malty. Um, uh, I think he's just, you know, a, a difference maker in the way he's played defensively. I was, I was looking back at his, you know, ratings in, in WhatsApp for those last, you know, five, six games, and he's consistently 7, 7.2, 8 in the 8s. I think he has one 6.9 in there in his last uh, uh, six starts. Um, this is a guy who's putting up exceptional performances um, on all ends. He's a guy who can score those timely goals if you need them. That when, you know, we were at, talking about, you know, what happens if it's late and it's, you know, that like, that's when multi Evans, whether it's from, you know, 10 yards outside of the box or whether it's inside the six yard box, mm. he can be that difference maker. Anything else about Orlando that people should know? Off the top uh, Duncan McGuire, their striker who kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, I shouldn't say the striker. He's one of their attacking players. Has really showcased, um, like, kind of having, like, a special gear that you don't necessarily think anybody expected when uh, coming into this year. But that's a great example. He's a great example of the type of player out front that can turn a half chance into a goal like that. And we've seen a couple different times with the crew where half chances have kind of gone begging a little bit. They've, they've been fortunate uh, on a handful of occasions um, over the last maybe five weeks, let's say the last five games. Yeah, five games, counting the three at Atlanta and the, and the two that wrapped up the regular season. There are a couple of times where balls get into, you know, balls, balls get into dangerous positions that weren't necessarily... Um, um, you know, they did, the, the, the crew that weren't, you know, weren't punished. And this is a guy that ha- has, at, I don't know, basically every opportunity punished teams for, for is allowing him to get into dangerous spots with the ball. The best example of which is the one, is the, is the ball over the top where he absolutely skewered Michael Bradley in the, the final game of the regular season, um, where he essentially plays plays the ball correctly off of the bounce gets gets Bradley kind of running two different directions which is I know it's kind of a joke but like that's kind of how it looked and then um, off of like kind of a you know half volley throws it into the far corner and and it's just like one of the best goals that we had all year he's a guy that they're gonna have to be really really mindful of and the thing that I love is he has a tendency to drift out to the right tries to get on that right foot and then hit to the back stick. And I love Multi's work ethic and basically being the dude responsible for that because it needs to take there, there needs to be a little bit of an edge there. So watch I would say keep an eye on that matchup and how especially from an emotional standpoint what it's like between the two because there have been a couple times where Multi's been on the edge probably should have been sent off earlier this year with a second yellow in a couple games where he wasn't um, and then the dog so game that he didn't get sent off, which is kind of wild. Um, keep an eye on that matchup because it, it's they're going to try to get the, that that back line of the crew way up near half field, and then they're going to try to throw McGuire in behind. And it and there's going to be a couple opportunities where Multi's going to have to kind of get those hips turned and go 
to try to track balls down. So just that's a matchup that we want to we want to watch out for. All right. Um, before we get to the questions, which is what we'll do here the second half of the show, uh, there was some uh, disturbance in the crew Twitter force today when uh, crew fans were offered season ticket holders, I should say, were offered the opportunity to buy extra tickets for next year's home game against Inter Miami, which if you're keeping track at home, would be possibly when Messi would make his Columbus debut. That's the key word. Possibly. Possibly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Crew fans, crew season ticket holders could log on. They had a code. And then they found out that those tickets were, what, $429 or something? uh, For Nordic. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. Nordic. So uh, crew fans were not not all that pleased about that, and understandably so. I have thoughts. Uh, look, I think every team in the league has kind of gouged their their possible attendees with this messy situation, and, like, I get it from a business perspective. I also understand the frustration from fans of, like, you know, we're your season ticket holders. Why not help us out here? And apparently that is a discounted rate, which <laughs> is absurd to think about. Um we don't need to sit like on this much, too long. How but. much are, are Ohio like? How much were Ohio State and Michigan tickets last year, and the shoe? Like, uh, that, how much more is that? You know, yeah, I would, going than the going rate for OSU Michigan tickets. Well, so the difference here is, you know, you're if you're buying Ohio State Michigan tickets just through them, mm-hmm. you're probably buying. It's you're probably a season ticket holder. Like, it'd be hard to just buy tickets like for that type of game mm-hmm. you know leading up to it not that this is leading up to it so i don't know the answer to that i mean i know they were going for absurd amounts on the secondary market which i assume these tickets will as well uh, i feel like that's already secondary market i feel like they sold all these tickets and <laughs> yeah, kind of they're buying them from scalpers already yeah. <laughs> like um i don't know i mean i like if the, i guess the way i thought about it, like if you are in europe and you draw Man City, Arsenal, United, you know, whoever of the of the the teams that have the superstars over there in a FA Cup game or a League Cup game, do you jack up the prices for that because they get to see you know, insert name of player there? Like, I don't think so. I mean, I think those ticket prices, maybe they're up more than your league games, yeah. but um, but I also do get the business side of it where like Teams are trying to make as much money as they can off this messy thing because the league's making a bunch of money off of it. And Apple TV's making yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I guess it'd be different if I didn't know that I had season tickets and I was going to be someone trying to buy extra tickets. Yeah. It's just every, everything with MLS always feels like, how can I make the most money just the quickest and easiest without just yeah. any, any forethought or anything else coming to mind? Um, any other factors. And so uh, uh, was I really particularly surprised? I mean, it, certainly sticker shock when I saw it. And it was like, yeah. you log in and, oh, yeah, sure, maybe I'll do this. And, my, and, and I'll be honest, I logged in thinking, hey, maybe I'll buy some of these and sell them on the secondary market yeah. and, uh, you know, cover my... I mean, the, the cost of one of those tickets is, I think, more than the entirety of my season ticket in Nordec, yeah. um, which is absurd and that's what you're getting from the team through pre-sale um i I guess you know uh d and jimmy look uh uh, deshaun watson is gonna miss the rest of the season 
Um, if, uh, uh, you know, they're bringing in Joe Flacco, it looks like. Uh, and so, you know, if, if Flacco's decent, you know, you might end up cutting Watson next year and have to pay him a lot of guaranteed money. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe they're trying to recoup a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I thought that was that was pretty absurd. Yeah, and well, Sam was saying like there's no guarantee that Messi plays in this game. We already mm-hmm. saw it earlier this year. I mean, hilarious. Would they refund us? Well, like Chicago, Chicago did. They yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chicago exactly. did help their fans out. I mean, basically, your money went back towards tickets. I think right. next season. So, <laughs> so, it's so I could cover my it. next my <laughs> yeah. my my season ticket for 2025. So here's the thing. You, I think you brought up a, a very good point, and. By all means, I am not defending the front office here or any front office in MLS that has done this. Y'all saw this coming. Y'all oh, yeah, knew sure. this was going to yeah. happen. But here's the deal. The Nordex season tickets are sold out, right? Mm-hmm. So any remaining season, you've had 17 sellouts this year. 17 out of 19 games or eight or yeah, I well, think it's yeah, 19 they've games. Had, they've had so now two playoff games. Whatever mm-hmm. season ticket allotment that is still left is going to be cheaper than buying those one-game tickets. And I bet you that sells out the rest of the season tickets. If not in a few hours, if they're not already sold out, it will probably be sold out by Christmas. Yeah, well, and I think, too, I will be interested to see if we can get the numbers on how many people actually went through with this and paid that amount to get extra tickets. And then... Obviously, what is the price going to be when it's not Nordex season ticket holders for that, you know, that single game uh, amount? You obviously uh, want to, you know, you want that to be a packed stadium for that game, right? I mean, I assume Miami will be pretty decent next year, given how they were with Messi. Um, but I just want them to play yellow versus pink. Yeah, that'd That's be nice. all I want. Uh, so... Uh, I'll start my response with a question. So, it's in the Nordeca. It's crew fans only, correct? That's the idea. Okay. Allegedly. So, most stadiums have done, even if they didn't have the rule before that you can't wear other jerseys in there, right. they have done that for that game. So, the 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 idea of having an extra. This is extra for the most people would be an extra ticket, correct? Um, that you would then sell to some random, you know, messy super fan mm-hmm. for twelve hundred dollars or whatever. I don't quite understand the logistics of how that might work when you're that person is supposedly not Ain't al- my problem. <laughs> not allowed to not allowed to be in that section in the first place. Um, That's a whole different topic. We're gonna but, we'll talk but about. You understand as we get what I'm closer. saying? Like I don't quite un- that. It's a little bit of the chicken and the egg in terms of what is a contro- what whether what is this controversy and where does it begin and end? But um, you know, I, I think uh, you know, I, I think there's 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 a very real feeling, and I think it's. Very, I think it's growing in its. Uh, I would say this is gr- the, the the number of people who are starting to feel this way, who maybe would have never imagined feeling this way, mm-hmm. uh, is growing leaps and bounds. That there's some solidarity amongst people who would maybe not have it previously, uh, 
with folks who are essentially un- tired of overpaying for experiences, the fact that like life is getting significantly more expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, without any tangible sense as to why, while also looking around and seeing record profits mm-hmm. from the companies that are selling this raised, more expensive thing and or experience. And the, the fatigue that comes from that, I think, is increasing and growing pretty rapidly. It's a, in some ways, I think it kind of coincides a little bit with the, the solidarity that we're seeing in, at the kind of at the labor movement levels uh, in American politics that, like, I don't think from, people from, you know, different aspects of the political spectrum all of a sudden having solidarity with labor is kind of mind-blowing, and there, there have been examples of this that you can find on the Internet, and that's a whole separate conversation. Yes. But... It does speak to, I think, this growing kind of restlessness and this growing frustration with essentially what is my dollar worth relative to goods and services and experiences across kind of the, the, you know, the spectrum of our lives. And then what does it mean, you know, for, for places that are providing that? At what point does the experience kind of outgrow my, uh, my dollar's ability to go out and buy it? And so, I, I, the, the, there, unfortunately, I feel like is, there's more of this on the horizon. We're going to see it more uh, when the NBA melts down their, uh, you know, they're playing, um, when the NBA kind of melts down their TV rights and all of a sudden we have to go to the NBA's streaming thing to find NBA games, which is on the mm-hmm. horizon. When Major League Baseball has to blow it up next summer, because none of the RSNs, none of the regional sports networks can pay, uh, are solvent enough to pay teams for the rights to broadcast games, that, that this fragmented kind of experience, especially in sports, where we have all these, like, all this 9.99 kind of sprinkled over the course of 15 different things to get what we used to pay, like, $60 for. Mm-hmm. Um, the frustration that comes from that, I think, is accelerating at a rate that I don't think people, I don't think these companies, these teams, these owners are really ready for. Because it doesn't really match up with what they're seeing in terms of the season tickets are flying off the shelves. There's, you know, the crew has been selling out like crazy, right? Like, look at all this momentum that we have financially. Mm-hmm. What do you mean people are frustrated? Well, I think that they're, if you're looking around the corner, and I think some people are better at that than others. Mm-hmm. If you're looking around the corner, there's frustration growing. And, the, and, and that frustration is a lot bigger and a lot greater than I think some people are aware of. You heard it. Comrade Brett says, seize the means of production, brothers. Um, uh, brothers and sisters, what's, that's what we will do. What's the, what's the horse's name from Animal Farm? <laughs> the proletariat, uh, bourgeoisie. Absolutely. Yada, yada, yada. Real quick, and then we'll get to questions. Brett, would you pay it to see Messi? No. Bart, if you didn't have season tickets? Nah. Sam? Nope. Yeah, me neither. Uh, look, I like soccer a lot, and I like good players, but yeah. I've seen plenty of good players. Yeah, I mean, I th- Messi may be the best I think ever. That, I think maybe that's the biggest disconnect for me with this whole yeah. saga is that, I, and I, I'm aware of the fact that we, 
And again, I, maybe this is like my, uh, this is a, such a stupid thing to say, but it's like my, my, my soccer bona fide stretching, you know, mm. over the entirety of Messi's career. Whereas I think there's this zeitgeist of him over the last maybe like five where it's like the hashtag cry more Ronaldo Messi Twitter BS mm. that everything that we've seen over the last five years that's maybe creating some of this like outrageous demand and then he all all he does is go on and cap it off with the world cup final uh, or world cup championship with argentina that like I, i'm i'm very aware that we're watching this this sport and this cultural mm. icon and then and, and quite literally the greatest to ever have done it but like for me personally it i've been watching messi for yeah yeah. How how many years now? Yeah. I don't in my mind not a whole lot changes in terms of watching him on TV, watching him go out and be doing everything they did in Champions League, doing everything they did internationally, and then all of a sudden it's like Inter Miami. That doesn't seem to change for me, and for a lot of people it does, and I don't quite understand. That. I mean, there is something like you know I've gone over and watched Manchester United twice, and like it is different in person, like the speed and everything. Mm-hmm. But like this is one player, not a whole team of you know guys. So yeah, I think it's, it's not Galacticos. Yeah, I, just, right. I, just, I guess yeah. I, what I'm saying is like, I don't understand the dollar amount that he's garnering. It's not even like though, he's Josh Williams or something. Well, he, yeah, and, and no, no man is. Uh, but I, I, well, one man is. <laughs> Josh Williams. Well, I think it's unfair to call him a man. <laughs> Valid. Uh, but the, uh, I, I still don't quite understand and have not been able to wrap my brain. Even when he, when he got here. I, the 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 influx of interest and the, f- the essentially the f- kind of like blank check people were willing to pay to see the man when it's like we've been watching him for twenty years yeah. like I don't I don't because all, all, all of a sudden it's got the he's got the MLS logo on the one sleeve does I don't it know, make you think loud. differently and and hindsight is always twenty twenty but is, does it make you think differently about when Beckham <laughs> came to the U.S. and how different, because how different ticket sales and life was back then, if Beckham was coming to MLS now, even at the tail end of his career, like like he basically did, how much would people be paying to go to games in an era of electronic tickets and, you know, uh, aftermarket, you know, sales and stuff like that 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 it changes a whole lot yeah and i think and and of all the times that the galaxy came to columbus which i think while beckham played for them was three yeah he only showed up one time yes and he got schooled uh on buckle night by gino padula yeah Mm -hmm. um the uh but yeah i yeah the, the the it's it is like you know the beckham experience Right, just on steroids, you know, you know, with lighter fluid on top of it, yeah. and jet fuel. All right. But, oh, um, but yeah, I just the the whole thing is very perplexing to me, and 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 so that it's, you know, like, I, I'm gonna go out of my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the the judge is pissed at me at this point for going on tangents. I'm very close to being held <laughs> in contempt of court, but I, you know, Your Honor, I will make my, I will. You know, square the circle here in a minute. You're, you're getting a verbal warning. So a couple right weeks now. ago, a couple weeks ago, or a couple days ago, right? All of a sudden, you saw Snoop Dogg make that tweet. I'm quitting smoke, right? Quitting smoke. I'm ending the smoke. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, "Oh my God!" Noted herbalist and absolute, mm-hmm. you know, hydroponic connoisseur. Snoop Double G, our o- our OG guy yeah. Calvin. 
is laying off the thing that made him famous. In what universe is that even possible? Look at anybody can change. You can change. I can change. And then what happens today? It's a goddamn ad for some fucking fire pit. Mm. A smokeless fire pit. And it's like the whole thing with John Legend. Like, oh, I call him John Comcast. We just call Snoop, to- Snoop Dogg, like, you know, Snoop Verizon at this point, right? That, that it, it, there's, there's a veneer, a financial veneer to everything that exists now. And it's part of the frustration, mm-hmm. kind of this, this um, tiredness and this weariness that I think that we have that uh, is beyond frustrating to, to, to all of us, that I don't quite understand this financial advertising kind of like handcuff that every part of our lives now are essentially being tied to. This, this and this is, feels very similar to that. This is relevant to what you're saying and also what Debart's saying. This is why I hate blackouts. And that's a different story for another day because it's a whole long rant. <laughs> well, I've just committed 315 of my hard-earned dollars to go watch Manchester United in April. So, like, there you, go. you know, what am I talking about? Hey, shout out to Snoop because, I mean, no one is – that dude continues to print Snoop money. Snoop yeah. at one point. And, uh, and, and, and wh- whoever his agent is and their, and their team, they, uh, they got something going. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get into and some so of this. TNT, apparently. Yeah. Let's get into some of these questions. Uh, a lot of them were very similar, so um, if I don't read your exact question, it's not because we didn't see it. It's just because a lot of these are similar. So first of all, the Darlington Nagby deal that was announced, or the extension that was announced last week, we did have a couple people that were asking about if he could be bought down. He can. Yeah. He is under that threshold. So he can technically be bought to a TAM-level player, which would open up a DP spot. Uh, but... A number of people asked how, essentially, how we would like to see, if they do elect to do that, that DP spot used with this team. Now, I think some of that obviously has to do with what else you do with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as, as you kind of look ahead, wh- where I know you had a big, long Twitter thread about X thread, if you will, uh, yeah. about this, Brett. So where would you like this... If that spot does open up, where would you like it to be used? Yeah, I don't know. It's that it's it was fascinating to kind of really like go beyond and the first couple layers and and see actually where most teams around the league are using their deploying their their designated players because I think and again I think part of this is kind of where my my brain will always be rooted a little bit in like the. MLS of like 2007 to like 2015. It's just kind of how it works for me. Um, but like the, you know, the, the, the striker number 10 winger DP trio feels like that's just mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be. Right. And that league wide, there really isn't a team that does that. Seattle's maybe the most prototypical one, but where, Albert Rusnak plays is kind of up for debate, and Nico Ladero, and then um, there's more Raul, Raul Rui Diaz, like mm-hmm. it's and, and and you know Jordan Morris or whatever, right? So like, it's um, it's been fascinating for me to to see that you know teams are actually kind of using it, using especially like that third DP, DP spot, that final DP spot mm-hmm. to. Um, you know, either have a a really 
you know, just dynamic central midfielder. And this is like a non-central attacking midfielder, mm-hmm. a non-attacking midfielder. Um, and there are no outside backs. And there are three center backs that have in the league that have DP contracts. And so I, I think for me, it's, you know, it's like, all right, well, you're, you're able to buy Nagby down. And it's like, okay, well, you already have two exceptional, presumably yeah. exceptional guys in that position to begin with. Whether or not Aiden Morris's future is in MLS, I kind of think that's up for debate. I'm not really sure where we'll I fall, fall, fall in that debate. Um, but it's like, I, I, you know, if Aiden Morris leaves, do you try to go get someone in that spot? Maybe. I don't really know. I, I'm, do you, is there, is there a, a center back out in the world right now that you feel like you should pay DP money mm-hmm. to? Like, I would say no. Like if well, you, so I think it's interesting with the way Wilfried plays. The center backs are different. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Yeah. And um, we did get asked about – pulling it up here uh, – basically about Steven Marrera. And if this is Marrera's, quote, last dance, do you pencil Zawatsky in as the right center back's starting spot? First of all, I'm not sure why this would be Marrera's last dance. I think they're very happy with him, and he would be back. But I do – I could see if you can find, like, the perfect guy Mm -hmm. for one of those outside center back spots. And and Marrera's been very good. Um, I don't know if Zawatsky – I don't know where Zawatsky's future lies in terms of position. Yeah. Um, You know, I think probably Mm -hmm. he's going to be able to do a lot of different things for this team for a while. And, you know, maybe he doesn't ever specialize in one position anymore because he is versatile. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if you you could find a guy that makes you that much better because he can step into the midfield and kind of help with the possession but is also maybe a better defender than Marrera – and has played that role at a higher level than Marrera had or something along those lines. Like I could see the argument for making, cause you're not just paying for a center back yeah. there, right? Like right. you're essentially paying for a guy who can do a handful of different things. But mm-hmm. the opposite side of that argument is, well, you found one in Marrera. Do you need to pay a guy DP money to do that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's where I am. in when I, when I look at the DP is, is Gressel's contract is up after is. this year. The correct? intent is to bring him mm. back. If, you know everything. Everything works, and he wants to be back and whatnot. And all in all, you know, barring you know uh, uh, Russell resigning, if we if we're just saying you know, hey, looking at guys under contract, I'd look at the outside, uh, either left or right side, is is the area that you'd want to you know invest those DP dollars in. Um, I, I think you know, a player that can cover that can that can excel in what Wilfried Nancy asks of of those outside backs mm. is worth it. If you can find that guy. Um, uh, now I think you can find guys that can do a very good job as we've seen. And, and Wilfried can take guys that you wouldn't think and, and get something good out of them. So, you know, I don't know if the, uh, um, you know, the margin or the upside in, in bringing guys a DP there is, is quite as much as it would be potentially, if you can find a Nancy uh, uh, level center back um, guy who can play that center back position the way he wants him to, but that's where where I'd look at uh, uh, look at that position. Um, when it comes to Zawadski, I, I mean, I, I think again, you know, unless a, 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 I, I keep hearing all this stuff, you know, about Marrera, and I, I don't really know, I don't have sources, but I just I don't see if you're if you're the crew, why 
you would do anything but want to extend him. And, and, you know, if you're Steve Marrera, unless, like, you've got a burning desire to be back in France, like, I, I don't know why he would want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's starting. He's, I think, playing. Like, I, I really don't think he's like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm not playing right wing back. He gets to do everything that he, right. he wanted to do and probably enjoys doing, playing the, this position. Um, uh, he's playing for a team that's winning. You know, he's beloved. Uh, I just, I don't see, I don't see where it is, and I don't see if you're Tim Bezbachenko and crew, why you, you don't think that this guy is worth it um, uh, uh, to keep in. So I think Sean Zawadzki is going to be one of those guys, maybe this is, you know, getting a little bit early, but I, I see him as my sort of heir to a Josh Williams in terms of, like, a guy that, you know, I would love to see as a career crew guy and a guy that, you can start confidently in a variety of positions, even more so than Josh. You know, Josh did start as an outside back, yeah. um, but, you know, really uh, uh, made his name as a center back for this crew team. But a guy that, you know, if everything's going perfectly, he's probably not starting for you. And he's being that incredible glue guy in the locker room that everyone loves to be around. Um, that's just, you know, real positive influence and also can give you really good quality minutes whenever you need from them. Yeah, I think like that's kind of like, to me, it's that's the answer for the Aiden Morris question. If Aiden goes, Zawatsi mm-hmm. takes that spot. So why would you burn a DP? Why would you bring anyone in when yeah. you have the best natural replacement you could probably yeah. hope for financially anyway, uh, sitting right there? Um, yeah, I, like, I just don't, I don't know how much, <clears throat> like, at some rate, it's like, I think it's it's got to be it's probably going to be like a winger-ish player and like it, I know that the the international roster spot stuff that as we know it now the le- the the league rules that we know it now they're buttoned up to the the limit right um and and so especially if you consider guys who didn't necessarily pl- play a lot who were taking up one of those spots that is that's going to be part of what's addressed um and so if you do bring in a dp where where that guy kind of comes in is going to be i think the biggest Mm -hmm. a really kind of odd question to answer because you have all these spots pretty much occupied the only thing that really makes sense to me is just go out and get another winger and 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 then you're probably moving Matan. And, and and as wild as it that is to say out loud, or Yeboa. given or well, you, I would say Yeboa Yao played more outside back than he did kind of winger, 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 front three. I'm thinking front three guy, right? Um, but the you know that the, you know given the the season with, that Matana's had and Chris Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Why would you feel like you, I mean, I, you can probably upgrade there, but do you have to? It's a really great problem to have, but I, I don't think there's a very obvious answer. But you might get value, like, because he's had a good season, yeah. whether him or Ramirez, you might get good value for them yeah. that kind of forces your hand, like, this is the best I'm going to get for them right now. So that that's I think that's a, definitely a possibility. Yeah, I do wonder... Not that you need this position in Wilfred Nancy's system, as we've seen here since Lucas left, but that number 10 role, I mean, there's really not a true number 10 on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, could you go out and find a younger Lucas type of guy if you, yeah. if you felt like you needed something to help create in the attack? 
Um, we had a couple questions about Aiden as well. We've touched on kind of, you know, Brett just said it, that Zawatsky could step in and probably play that role if Aiden were to leave. But I'm going to sort of morph the question. Do you think Aiden's ready to leave? Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would have said that at the beginning of the year. Um, but I do think there's – he's shown a – he's shown the consistency, mm-hmm. which I think was maybe the last – Thing outside of the ability to go and score some goals. Now, obviously, that's cooled off because they was, you know, flaming lava hot yeah. at the beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, I think there's going to be significant interest. Um, not entirely sold on his own personal interest. He said that he wants to uh, in the past, but kind of, I think, it, in my mind, it sounded a little bit like you have to answer it that way. Um so, I don't know. Um, I could see Aiden just really loving the opportunity to play next to Darlington Nagby and, uh, you know, continuing to showcase that he's like a lock for a Gold Cup roster um, and then really kind of, you know, pushing to get into that, you know, kind of World Cup qualifying type, you know, U.S. men's national team spot. And the... You know, I think the real question there is, like, where where are you best suited, you know, to play your club soccer to, to kind of make those things happen? And, and you know, obviously Europe, the, the guys who are in Europe, you know, there's there's no there's no doubting that, um, you know, the, the guys who kind of came up there and developed there and, 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 and you know, showcased the potential to be able to take a step they have. Um, and I think that the transition that used to be incredibly difficult to go from MLS to, to kind of like Champions League level uh, European soccer, uh, that transition used to be really, really hard. You even saw guys like Landon Donovan struggle with it. Um, I think it's a lot easier now. Um, so I would not be surprised in, in by any form or fashion if he were to go. Yeah, I think if uh, I, I, I don't, you know, disclaimer that I don't want to see Aiden Morris leave. But I think if he's going to, you, you got to do it this year. I, I just it's one of those uh, uh, things for, for players that I, I don't think you can really, you know, I know there's I don't think you can make that transition really too early, honestly. And mm-hmm. I think once you get. 20, I mean, just just the fact is when you, when you just look at, you know, players' production and development, their best years generally for, for players at least, you know, 24, 25, 26. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, those are your best players, which is wild. You can still get, you know, incredible years and quality years after that. But those top years, that top of the peak is usually around there. Um, you know, Aiden's got, what, 22 right now? Um, uh uh, I think, you know, just even another year uh, in that development, you know, especially when if he's if he's able, he's an MLS all star, um, uh, uh, you know, especially if crew do the damn thing, you know, wh- what else do you have to prove at this level? Yeah. And even, you know, if they don't, I think he has proved that he can do it. And, you know, to that point you were making about, you know, the U.S. men's national team, I I don't think, and I don't know that it's necessarily fair, but I don't think there's a chance that he gets cracks that starting eleven unless he's playing in Europe. Yeah. Just when you look at the rest of the talent that they have in that central midfield position, that are all playing in Europe, and most of them 
for some of the big teams in Europe, you know, teams like Juventus. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he absolutely, if, if that's what he wants, you know, um, as a player, then that's the only move he can make. In which case, then you absolutely, if, if it's not Sean, then it's you're looking to fill that, you know, center midfield spot with the right. DP. I, I do think he wants to do it. I do question whether he's quite ready yet. Like when he played in the League's Cup against who'd they play in? Who was the Mexican team they played? Club America? Club America, Club yeah. America. Uh, like I thought he looked off of it a little bit. When he's played with the national team, like he doesn't have the same impact. Now, that doesn't mean he can't go over to Europe and, you know, get into that every day and start to develop. Um, but I don't think I, you get that unless you're playing against that level of competition yeah, and that may be, regularly. That definitely could be the case, but I kind of worry he might be one of those guys who goes over there too early and then ends up coming back and is playing for Orlando for mm-hmm. the rest of his career, and we as crew people are like, well, that sucks. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't come back here. I don't know. It's just he could certainly prove me wrong and go over there this offseason and, and have a great year. Now, the one thing, too, is a guy like that, I could see European teams waiting until next summer to really make a push. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want a guy like that in your off season mm-hmm. and kind of, um, you know, gather him in. So if it He's doesn't, probably not a summer tra- or a winter transfer. Yeah, guy. I, I wouldn't think Which so. Be, that, and that, I think, presents some challenges for the crew, too. Um, we had a few questions about crew two players and uh, potential guys that could step up to the first team. Um, one in particular was asked about Noah Fusan, who is the team announced is is not coming back with crew two. I don't believe that's a sign that he is going to end up with the first team. Um, he just hasn't had the impact. Sam and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like there just isn't that guy right now. There are some young guys. Mm-hmm. Some like really young guys right. who maybe three, four years from now, maybe not even that long, but probably not next season, um, could make that jump if they continue to develop. But we're talking like guys that are going to be 16 years old next year, and not everybody's Freddie Adu, <laughs> and you know playing at that level. Freddie um, Adu is barely Freddie Adu, right? So I don't see like this year's team. While it did make it back to the championship game, it didn't have that same level of guys that were ready to make the jump. And I think maybe it, maybe from just like an expectation perspective, having guys make that jump, multiple guys make that jump the first year of MLS Next Pro, probably like set the bar like, oh, this is going to happen all the time. It's not. You're not going to have guys every year that can become first team players mm-hmm. that quickly. Um, but I do think they're in a good spot. And I don't, I don't want to make it sound like they're not. Like I do think they are have guys down the pipeline that could eventually become first team players. Yeah, the I mean I think uh it, it was kind of interesting when when Crew 2 first came around um one of the first guys that we saw um you know kind of Caleb Porter bring up and to fill in was actually Noah. Yeah. Noah was I think the first Crew 2 guy to ever be on a road on trip bench, with us yeah. um and on the bench. And so it was kind of been interesting to see that and then who ended up actually kind of coming up and through with well jason didn't um, even start the year as a starter for crew two yeah he was coming off the bench there and and worked his way into that spot so um you know i think there are you know there are a lot of guys that like you know it's got i think we have to ask ourselves a little bit of like what what do we expect crew two to be what do we want that to be and on some level as, as harsh as this sounds, like you're going to age out of that team. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think this is just a, an example of that. And a lot of the guys that aren't going to be back are better for their their time here for and, sure. and and will have opportunities because of it that they probably don't I would actually not I'd take away the probably. They don't have without crew too. Yeah. So it's I think it's still going to trend pretty young. Um, and that's a uh, got to be an emphasis that the the you know the the weighing of winning versus development is not, is is going to be it's a tough thing to balance and it's a and it's going to be kind of the you know this kind of nebulous thing that's always in the back of their the, their minds when you know the whenever they're building this club but from a personnel standpoint but there is going to be an age limit and then and, and guys are going to age out and move on and the fact that the crew are going to you know as a club basically be able to reload it looks like they're going to be able to reload in a pretty substantive way is actually a net positive yeah yeah and look i think you have to remember it's not like they brought up uh jason russell rowe and mo farsi just because they were doing what like it was injuries and you know yeah. it was out of necessity now i think wilford nancy would be more willing to bring guys up that are playing well than caleb porter was but it didn't just, you know, it, it kind of worked out well that those guys were ready and then got the opportunity. Right. Um, we were asked about, well, the question was, what position would the crew be upgrading next year? We've sort of already touched on it a little bit, but is there anyone in MLS, um, this asks if they've had their eye on as a potential signing. I think it would be hard to answer that, but anyone in MLS that you think would be interesting to fit into this Wilfred Nancy system? Ooh, I didn't see that one. Brooks Lennon. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think like Brooks is an interesting one because it's, um, you know, kind of during, you know, he's, he's maintained a level of play and, and kind of a quality of play down that right side that is like, you know, in, in my mind, absolute lockstep with what Julie, Julian Gressel's mm-hmm. been able to do. They were going, they kind of went one, two and chances created, um, and alternated, I think, between the two of them for probably since like 2018, 2019, whenever, whenever they both kind of came into the league. Um, you know, I think uh, it's, there's, I think there's, there's a kind of a bench poacher kind of need for this team that I wouldn't mind kind of seeing them explore a little bit. You know, Caleb, Caleb Porter's kind of era that, you know, tried to do that with Bradley Wright Phillips and it didn't really work out. Um, The, uh, but I think like there's, if you're able to kind of go and get, um, you know, a guy, maybe an older guy, you can kind of go out and 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 bag you a couple goals, all of which happen in in the six yard box. That's probably, you know, something I could get behind. Um, but there isn't really. I have to admit, there really isn't a guy out there that caught my eye as being someone who um, would be an asset but also leave their current team um which i think is part of it i remember when when we 
when you know Jordan, Jordan Angeli and I would talk all the time about what this team would look like if they could add Kevin Molino mm-hmm. back in, I don't know, this was like 2020, 2021, because of that postseason that he had, um, two in a row technically in 19 mm-hmm. and then in 20. And like, oh, my God, what would he look like? And we knew that he was probably going to leave because he didn't love some of the, the Minnesota stuff. And then the fact that they were to sign him kind of blew our minds. There really isn't that person out there. Um, I think left outside back is probably mm-hmm. the number one kind of thing that yeah. they're going to address. Um, but like, but that what does Will Sands look move. like? Yeah. You know, like what coming back does do you do? You, do you feel like multi is going to be your kind of long term answer there? I don't. You know. There isn't really an obvious one, and which is wild to kind of think about because I can't remember that ever in kind of crudum in terms of this is a position that needs an obvious upgrade and the fact that there isn't one. Yeah. Uh, oh, Real quick, I think, I think if there is something that's missing from this team, and I, he's, this is not in, like somebody that's going to come from MLS, but they need somebody like um, Atlanta's forward, um, Yakimaki. Mm-hmm. Is that right? They need somebody who's like tall and good in the box because if you're going to cross all the time, your forwards are five seven and yeah. five six. Well, they do have That's, Christian Ramirez, right? But and again, not that he's he hasn't. No, but he hasn't. He he is taller than the other two, right. but he oh. hasn't gotten that opportunity to play as much with yeah. Gressel and with yeah. you know. So they could really use somebody like that, and then they're going to be almost unstoppable. Um. I thought this was an interesting one. Question about Lower.com Field. Was it built in a way that it can be expanded to 28,000, 30,000 in the future? The recent run of sold-out games and the growth of the sport leading up to the 2026 World Cup. Just wondering if that is an option. I think so. Um, I believe... Now, I don't know, like, how easily you take the roof off and add more seats, but, like, I remember that being a topic of conversation at one point, and I don't know for sure how it all works out, but it would be silly of them not to have, I mean, I don't think it's anytime soon because I think you, you've created, now you've created demand mm-hmm. as you sell out and you want that to be a thing where it's not easy to just go buy crew tickets on the day of the game because that, you know, that builds more for it. But I think, you know, down the road sometime, I could see the potential for that. And I don't know why they wouldn't have, you know, I think any stadium can be added on to, you know, if you're just raising the roof, so to speak. I think I remember in some conversations when, like, back when the stadium opened, is that I think they can only max out at, like, 24, maybe? If I'm not I don't mistaken, think the roof is ever coming off. Yeah. Um, but I know that when when the stadium was designed, the, I guess, would be, like, the um, kind of that southwestern corner. Um so, like, if you're looking at the field, right, which the field looks technically east, right? So this would be – all right, so I have my directions wrong. So the, this would be the bottom left corner, the northwest corner of the stadium. On the upper tier, which is where, if you remember, our the first year that we were at Lower.com Field, that yeah. was where our Bally pre- and post-game set was right. for some stupid reason. Um. The stadium was designed for that to be some type of seating option, and there's nothing currently up there. Um, it's literally just a flat area. It's a balcony. Um, that uh, the 
Um, you know, I won't say that. That might be a, they might not want people to know that. Strike that. But th- there are people who do go up there. But anyway, um, I, that th- there were plans for that to be some type of premium seating when it was kind of developed. And so I think that is probably where you'll see some stuff. Now, I know they, they, put, the, they put some stuff in um, the, you know, the northeast corner of the stadium, the, like the upper left corner. Um, if you're looking at it from like a broadcast standpoint, um, but for the most part, I think lower.com field is pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that new, the new net jets or not net jets, the new premium seating stuff that's coming in that lounge and whatever that, that will be done at some point in the off season. And then I would guess that's probably the last significant upgrade. Because whether we like it or not, because I think the, the the premise of the question is like, can we get World Cup qual- World Cup games? Nope. At well, I low. think com field, more so right? just like because there's going to be growing interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously that state those venues have been decided. Yeah. They're going to be in football stadiums. Right. They're always going to be in football stadiums. Yep. They'll never, ever, ever be at soccer specific or stadiums ever. American just soccer specific American stadium. soccer specific stadiums, yeah. just never. With the okay. exception, maybe of Nashville, because that's the the biggest one we have in the country. Yeah, and even that's not you know. And I we're think that's NFL a, stadiums. I think that's thirty one yeah. max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or thirty um, and change. We'll end on this one because we've already gone pretty long, and I'm getting yelled at that I need to come home for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, Making the playoffs, scoring the most goals of any team in MLS in 2023, hosting playoff round, beating Atlanta in the first round. Would you call this season a success regardless of what happens this weekend? I ca- so this was, I thought, one of the more fascinating questions because I didn't, you know, normally in my mind, like a, the quick kind of rapid response is probably like the one I kind of feel and trust the most. And this one I didn't, really have one um i think i think the the expectations changed from they've significantly changed from where we were at the beginning of the year right um but there was something that happened and i can't really exactly pinpoint it but something happened in maybe august july into august where it was like yeah this is win now mode and then i don't know if it was the lucas leaving and the idea that like it can all change personnel wise in an instant and in ways that we never saw coming that could fundamentally shift um you know seasons that tremendous seasons and runs that you might be going on just because of the finances of the club dictate kind of that um but I think right now it's it's absolutely been a success. There's unquestionable, unquestionably it's been a success regardless of what happens in Orlando. But I think to me there would be things left on the table if they were to go out in this at this round. I think it's for me it's the I think your windows to be truly competitive in MLS are so much smaller than people realize because I think the OG fans see the DC United dynasty. They see the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they see the Fire. success of Chicago and LA galaxy and yep. the, the, the series of championships that they won. 
that we we have a tendency to view MLS winning windows uh, wider than I think they truly are. And so I think because of just the, the relative parity of the league. And, and so is it a success? Yes, it's actually already won. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the, there would be significant disappointment if they were if they were to go out at any round, honestly, up until MLS Cup, because I think they're absolutely unquestionably a team that should win MLS Cup right now. Well, and, yeah, and I think you know if you're kind of playing it out further, if they lose to Orlando, assuming Cincinnati beats Philly, which I guess isn't a foregone conclusion, mm-hmm. but you probably they should. You're probably looking at Cincy in the MLS Cup in that situation, and not that that affects what you've done here in terms of success versus failure, but I think that would be pretty hard to stomach for crew fans to watch, whether Cincinnati wins MLS Cup or not. Um, you know, I think you'd want to be the team still there to try and knock them out as opposed to letting that potentially be uh, an option. And I think in terms of, like, triumph, you're, you're at, like, mm-hmm. what, what, what is, like, the absolute like premium postseason kind of triumph that this that the Columbus Crew Capital C Club can achieve. It's winning an MLS Cup while going through FC Cincinnati in the Eastern Conference Final, and oh by the way, it's the best FC Cincy team they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think like literally, I don't think because and then in large part, it doesn't matter who they play in MLS Cup, right? Like because. The, the, that, that's like the pinnacle in terms of like the what this club can achieve uh, given the opponents and the matchups. Yeah. And I think the fact that it feels a little bit to me like we're on a collision course for that um, means that I, that I would be disappointed if we were essentially kind of robbed of that opportunity and that experience. And cool. see, I think we are going to be robbed of that opportunity and not because I obviously think crew are going to be there in the conference finals but i just feel like cincinnati like they have been you know this is this is a absolutely you know credit needs to go to the 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 coaching staff and the team and 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 the team they've built um i think they've got you know a a solid squad here that can be you know should be making it into the play-in game and even hosting play-in games um for years to come but they are one of the luckiest teams and it's better to be lucky than good and they are pretty good and very lucky but i kind of feel like that luck is starting to run dry and that luck was built up and i think they they gained it you know i believe in in karma they gained it over you know so many years of just being dog shit and winning the wooden spoon um but i feel like that luck is starting to dry to to, to, um draw out you you saw that you know, uh, I think it's exemplified in Matt Miazga, who, you know, may not have gotten caught storming the Capitol, but he did get caught storming the referee's room. And my, you know, for, for what it's worth, my, uh, my, my official stance, I, I want it to be known, is that, you know, in, in, the, in the, the fight between Miazga and FC Cincinnati and, and Victor Rivas and pro referees, it's absolutely... Ken Wanatabe from Godzilla, <laughs> let them fight. Let them fight. Um, uh, I, I am cheering for them both to lose. I am cheering for the meteor. But I think, in general, you don't want to be on the wrong side of pro. And so I feel like Cincinnati, especially with the way Philly handled New England, um, I think, since you know, obviously they've 
got their own baggage with the Kai Wagner stuff. Um, but I think Philly is a team that's been there before with Jim Curtin. I feel good about them against Cincinnati better than I think that, you know, others might. If it was a series, if we had like the, the, the same the same format in this round, mm-hmm. it'd be a lock for Cincinnati. Absolute lock. But the fact that this is a one off yep. game, I'm with you. I think Philly has way better chance at this than than maybe people realize their th- uh, their their DP trio has been statistically better than Columbus's, which mm-hmm. is kind of hard to can imagine in, in both chances created, but also goals and assists. Um, and I don't think, especially with you know Miazga gone, I don't think they contain Cincinnati contains Philly in mm-hmm. in a way that I think fans are maybe expecting. Would not be surprised to see a very typical Philly game. And, and since he's like, well, what, what do you mean the half chances don't go in? Exactly. What do you mean? And Philly walks out of there 2-0 and didn't get out of third year to do it. Well, what do we think about this crew game? Prediction time. Uh, sorry if I go first. I'm yes. Going yes. First. You, you should um, go first. Yeah, I, so I, I just I love, I love the baseline. I love the, that this crew team has. I love their resting heart rate. It's at a level that I think just lends itself to competency and consistency at every level in a way that's quantifiable and tangible and that this coaching staff knows how to ramp it up when they want to. I think they go into Atlanta, Orlando and it just looks great. They handle it all. And, and, it, and it's a thorough, profe- thoroughly professional, squared-away performance. I think Orlando plays well. They probably score a goal, but I think it's 2-1, 3-1. Crew win this game pretty, pretty straightforward, in pretty straightforward fashion. Sam? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel the same way, but I, I, my hope is that what happens against Orlando is what happened against Atlanta after Game 2, is that... You went down, you lost that game when you should have 100% won that game in Orlando, and you've learned a lesson. And when you went down to Atlanta and you got beat pretty soundly, you learned a lesson and you turned around the following game and completely annihilated them. So that's what I'm hoping. I am going to go with 3-2 in a nail-biter. Some hold-on-to-your-butts time to finish that game out. There, There will be a lot of swearing in this game. Dig it. I think it's 1-1. The crew win and penalty kicks. Your guy, Kevin Molino, <laughs> redeems himself from the Minnesota game, scoring a penalty kick. All right, so fair warning to the great listeners of this product. And if Kevin Molino scores the winning penalty... Not necessarily a winning one. He right. just scores. Okay, okay. I'm, all right, yeah, that's fine. Lower that bar for me. I'm cool with that. <laughs> if Kevin Molino scores a penalty in a, in a successful penalty shootout that moves the crew on in the postseason, I am going to be insufferable on Twitter. <laughs> that victory lap will be like the bleeping Queen's Jubilee, okay? <laughs> and the crew Twitter that we know and love... Is not going to be prepared right. for that. So stay off I the hashtag. I will wear out my welcome if that happens. And by the way, it is going to happen. <laughs> I've got blue sky invites if anybody needs it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Bart, what you got? Um, I am. Uh, I'm sticking. I'm. I'm along with Sam on this. I think a three-two crew win. Um, I think. I think a little bit more comfortable, if that makes any sense, of a three-two win. You know, one where it's a a three-two game most of the time, uh, or three-one game rather, and, and and you know they do get them, but um, that 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 we're not hopefully clinching too tight for the last um, you know ten minutes or so, uh, and I think uh, Malty is going to um, uh, score another you know important goal. Once again, shout out to Snoop. Make as much money as you possibly yeah, can. Yeah, might as well. What a legend. We all would. What a legend. All right. Well, thanks for saying to Saucy Brewers for having us here. Uh, corner of Michigan and third. Uh, I had one. Of, I don't generally drink during this, but I had one of their Christmas ales. Very, very good. The three hoes. Yeah, right three hoes. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back, I assume, next week. They also have a Stealing Signs beer that I think is available starting this Saturday. Yep. Fantastic. Um, and it does have Jim Harbaugh on it. I love the pettiness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think win or lose, we do a podcast next week. Uh, we'll figure it probably Monday, but yeah. we'll figure it out. Sounds um, good. So, yeah, stay tuned. Hopefully we are all in a good mood for that and, and the crew are marching on in the MLS Cup playoffs. But... Uh, We'll see how it goes on Saturday evening. Was that 5 p.m.? 5 p.m. All right. Well, you get like an hour break between the first game and the second game. Yeah, if you're into that thing. I if don't, you're into that thing. I don't know many people who are. Um, anyway, Bart, you want to close us out? Bye, buddies. Bye.